Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. I've been so excited about this weekend. And it just so blesses me to see you guys just worshiping. Oh, my heart is overflowing. And you know what? I also appreciate it because my little ones are here. Charlie girl and Levi. Where's Levi? He's like one of you guys. Yep. And, you know, they look up to you guys and they got their lives ahead of them. And how many of you know when they reach your age, life starts to get more complicated, right? And there's a lot of challenges and a lot of temptations. It's so it so blesses me to see them watching you guys worship the people they look up to and and um, how that's making deposits in their heart about their future of serving the Lord. So uh, EJ was saying how much God loves you, and I guess that was what was spoken about last night. I had to put Charlotte to bed, but God does love you so much. He loves you so much. And there's people here. I'm so impressed by the people that have come and you don't know anyone. You came here not knowing anyone. I, I am not that brave. I don't think I could have done that. How many of you could do that? Just come here not knowing anyone. And so there's people that are here for so many different reasons. Maybe a friend brought you. Maybe um, you were forced to come. Um there's so many reasons that you're all here, but I, I'm telling you this. You are not here by accident. Not one of you, not one of you is here by accident. Not one. God has brought you here, and you might think, oh, hey, wait. Don't, I don't want to be controlled by anything. Well, God is God. You can't control that. But I want to talk to you about who that God is. And show you how beautiful he is and how much he loves you and give you a picture of his heart. EJ was talking about reading through the book of John. His uncle recommended he do that. And that's something everybody should do if you want to understand who Jesus is more. It gives you so many beautiful pictures. But as I was praying and asking God for a message for you guys, um, he took me to John. And he gave me a story that I have read so many times. I've been serving God a while now. Could I, could I have water? Thank you, Amy. Um, I've read this story so many times, and this is the beautiful thing about the Bible and walking with God. I've been reading that story since, thank you, Amy, since I was a little girl, and God brings new things to life about who he is, the story, the implications of his heart, myself, everything, over and over again. The Bible never gets old. Never look at it like, I know this already. I know this already. You don't. You don't. It's so deep. It's so deep. There's so many places that God wants to take you in his word um, to inspire faith and show you who he is. And so he did that with me with this story. Um, but I want to go back. It kind of reminds me, if any of you have seen the story of love, the Easter production that we do, it kind of, I wrote that and it's the way I think. And I always have to go back to the beginning to, to help anyone here who you've not gone to church, you don't know much about God, you've heard some stuff, but I, I just want to give you a backdrop backdrop to the story. And the backdrop backdrop is the Bible tells us that God 
created everything that we see around us. And this is such a beautiful place to talk about that because when you go outside and you see that lake and you see those trees and you see the mountains, you see the expanse of the sky and the clouds and, and the, all the living creatures walking around, the Bible says that God, being the awesome, all-powerful, omnipotent God that he is, just spoke those things into existence. He just spoke them and they appeared. That's how powerful he is. That's what the Bible tells us. And so he spoke into existence the sun and the moon and the earth and the waters and the land and the birds and the fish and the animals that walk on the earth. And he spoke all these things to existence. But then on the last day that God was forming his creation, it said he got to man, us. And then his method of creation changed. Something was different because it tells us that he took the dust of the earth and he formed a man and then he breathed his life into him. He breathed into him and man was created. And so man was different than everything else. And the Bible tells us that God created man to love him to know him, to have relationship with him, because this is who God is. He's relational. He is love. He's not like love like we know everything else. He's the source of love. If love exists, it's because God exists, and it's just a very dim reflection on this earth of who he is. And so he created us to love us, to be in relationship with us, to fellowship with us. He wanted us to enjoy him and to know him in all of his beauty and all of his grandeur and all of his love. He wanted us to live in the fullness of that relationship and be complete in it. And then the Bible tells us that man decided that he would seek fulfillment and satisfaction somewhere else. He made a decision to disobey God. And say, you know what, I don't know that you're everything that you say you are. And I don't know if all fulfillment and satisfaction could be found in you. So I'm going to do this instead. And he broke relationship with God and sin entered the world. Sin entered man. And here we have it. A broken, dark world. Are you with me on that? A very broken and dark world. And that is the reason for it because of sin, because of rebellion against God, because of self-centeredness and us searching the world and looking for ways to find satisfaction and fulfillment apart from God. And this is the result. What you see around you, all the negativity, all the darkness, all the hatred, all the evil, that's life apart from God. That's it. And so God was not content to just leave us like that because he's love. And so throughout the Old Testament, you have prophecies and words and pictures in the stories throughout the Old Testament of God saying, I'm going to send someone to fix this. I'm going to send someone to make this right. You've been cut off from me. And you're floundering and you're self-destructing and you're miserable and you're racing around trying to find things to fulfill yourself. And, and, and it's destroying you. But I'm going to send someone to fix this and restore relationship between you and I again. And he kept saying, and you, every picture, if you go through the Old Testament, every story is some kind of picture of who this person would be and what he would do. And eventually that person came. And 
the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself, comes to the world, condescends himself. We talk about it so flippantly sometimes, but I don't think any of us can fully understand a God reigning in heaven with all power, needing nothing, reigning in his majesty, and deciding to come and take on human flesh to go after us, to go after us. Because we could not get to him. We were bound by sin. We were lost in sin. We were controlled by sin. And that sin was always going to separate us from the fellowship and the communion that we needed with God, with, from God and with God. And that fellowship and communion would be the only thing that could ever truly satisfy our hearts. And yet we had no way of restoring it ourselves. No way. One sin breaks it all. It breaks us away from a holy and perfect God. But God said, I'm going to send someone. And so he sends Jesus. And Jesus comes in the most unlikely way, which I just love. Because it gives you such a picture of God's heart and who he is. And it is so different from us. It is so different than our sinful selves and how we think on this earth and what we think is important and how things should be. He comes as a little baby to a poor couple and is born in a manger because there was no room anywhere else for him to be born. And he was born in squalor and dirt and filth surrounded by animals to come pursue us. Does that give you a little picture of his heart? Not as a mighty king reigning to march around and tell all of us what sinners we are and what a mess we are. He came in the most humblest of ways, and it said he came to be a servant to us, to serve us in his love. Because that's what love does. It serves. And he came to serve us so that our hearts could be changed and we could look to him for the salvation that we need that he was offering. And so that's a little backdrop now to the backdrop of this story because now where we pick up in John 4 there is a Samaritan woman a woman from the country of Samaria who is getting up and it's the middle of the day which is unusual it's like the the height of the sun the heat and she's coming to a well to draw water as women especially poor women would have to go do very laborious, imagine, of course the women do it, not the men, <laughs> filling up a well and then having to carry that thing, uh, as I understand it, back up a hill to the village that she lived in. But she comes to this well and there's somebody there. So I'll pick up where the story starts. It says... Jesus, he had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually to where he was going. He was going to Galilee, but he stops in Samaria, and it says eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm sorry, I just, did I just skip? No, he asked her for a drink. She said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. 
and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where, where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while the Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? And Jesus said, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming and the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? And why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come see the man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. There's a lot in here. But I want to talk about a soul thirst. So the woman comes down to this well. And here is Jesus. Just imagine that for a second. The son of God, the living God in human flesh is just sitting there waiting. And he's thirsty. He's tired. God is thirsty and he's tired. And he's allowed himself to thirst. The God who spoke the waters into being. He just spoke it. And it came into existence. He's thirsty. He's allowing himself to be thirsty for you. Because he's coming after you. And he's coming after her. And so imagine that. Just oblivious, this woman. We're going to learn more about her. But she just comes down in the middle of the day. That's unusual. But she's there by herself. And there she stands next to this man. And she looks at him. And she doesn't know who he is. And it's God in the flesh. And he looks at her and he says, can you give me a drink? And so she knows immediately that he's a Jew. And she's a Samaritan. So the first thing she says is, wait a minute. Why are you asking me for a drink? Because you see, back in that day, if you understand the context of what you're reading, 
the Samaritans were despised by the Jews because they were a diluted mixed race. The Jews were God chose, God's chosen people, but the Samaritans were people who, during a time where the Jewish people were exiled, uh, different pagan groups came in and mixed with them. And they married them, and they had children with them. And so now these children, these offspring, these generations were a, a mixed race. They weren't pure Jews. And they not only were a mixed race, they mixed the Jewish religion with pagan religions. And so now it was all diluted and convoluted, and Jewish people despised them. You want to talk about racism? They despised them. They would not walk through Samaria. They would not talk to them. They did not look at them. They were hated. And so here is Jesus, and who does he go to? Keep understanding that this is a picture of God's heart. He's sitting at the well of a Samaritan woman. Oh, that's shocking enough, but you have to understand more about the culture of that day. She was a woman. So we're talking about racism. Now you want to talk about sexism? I, I saw an article the other day, America's getting harder for women to live in day by day. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Travel a little bit around the world, women. I'm not saying there aren't issues, but back in this day, it was beneath a man to speak to a woman in public. They were less than second-class citizens. They were good for getting water, bearing children, bringing some sexual satisfaction, but they were lesser than. They, they didn't, in a court of law, one man was, uh, how many women were necessary to be equal to the testimony of just one man? They were not equal. Women were not equal. Women were looked down upon. They were inferior creatures. But guess who Jesus came to that day? He came to a woman. A Samaritan woman, and she was poor. Jesus, the Savior of the world, didn't come looking for people with clout, with influence, with uh, who's somebody here? You know how we all are all like that. Like who's, who's who in the crowd? Who can I get with? Who's connected? He, he, this was a poor woman. She didn't have enough means to have water drawn for her in any other way but her getting that heavy bucket and having to climb down a hill, down into a valley, to this well where she would have to do that hard labor herself. She was poor. So she was a Samaritan. She was a woman. She was poor. But here's the clincher, and we read it. She was an immoral woman. We don't know everything about her, but we know by this point in her life, she had been married five times, and now there was a man waiting for at home, her at home that was not her husband. He was not her husband. So this was a woman that was not respected, that was living who knows what kind of life, what leads you through five men, and now you got the sixth at home. I don't know all of but it's not good. It's not good, but guess who Jesus came to? He was sitting there waiting for her. Yeah, he was thirsty, but there was a divine appointment that God was arranging to meet this woman, the last woman or person that you think the Savior would want to single out and say, I need to get to her. She was a nobody. She was an outcast. She was nothing. And yet, up until this point, in John, Jesus hasn't fully disclosed who he is to anybody like he's about to do to her. He chose her. He wouldn't 
fully disclose himself yet to the disciples, his followers, certainly not to the religious leaders and the priests. He didn't trust them to give them the disclosure of who he was and what he was coming to do. But he does it with this woman. Do you get a picture of the heart of God? It is so different from ours. And so she says, why are you asking me for water? You, you see who I am. Not knowing who, she, who he was, totally spiritually blind to who she was sitting in front of. And he says to her, if you just knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me for living water. And she's completely blind like some of us have been. EJ was talking about it, being presented with the gospel, being presented with the things of God, his uncle debating him on, on the Bible and everything, and he's arguing, and he's got answers, and he's completely spiritually blind to the reality that he came to know. It was there. It was real, but he could not see it. He couldn't see it, and she couldn't see it. And so she says to him, how are you, how are you, how are you going to get water you you don't have a bucket you don't have any tools to 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 retrieve water with how would you do that completely unaware that god is there sitting in front of her and meanwhile jesus is looking at her thinking you think i'm the weary traveler sitting at this well but you're the weary traveler you have been traveling through life and you have been worn out by sin and your choices and all the things that you have done and the hurt that it's brought on your life. I can only imagine the hurt that she was carrying. You're the weary traveler. You're thirsting after something that you don't even know. And I'm coming here. I have the means. You say, I don't have a bucket. Trust me. I have the tools I need to be able to reach down into the depths and bring you a living water that will quench your soul. And that's going to satisfy you. What a beautiful picture that, that Jesus was sitting there with her alone. She was there all alone. And why was she alone? Why in the middle of the day was she alone there drawing water from a well? She was alone because of her mistakes, because of her mess-ups, her screw-ups, all her bad decisions. Because no woman, first of all, women went together to get water at a well. They didn't go by themselves. It was a communal thing. And they would go early in the morning when the sun wasn't that hot yet because it was tiring work. Or they would go later in the day when the sun was setting. But she was there in the middle of the day when the sun was at the peak of its heat. Why? Because she had to go alone. She was, an, she was a laughingstock. She was an outcast. She didn't want to be around all the whispers of what she had done and who she was. She was a shameful woman in that town. Can you imagine how everyone looked at her? But these, this was because of the decision she made. She kept doing what it seemed would be right. Another man, another man, another man. And making all these decisions, trying to satisfy something in her. I need fulfillment. I need satisfaction. Another man, another man. And now she has another man back at her house, but she's still alone. She's alone. Her decisions... Do you think that man was really satisfying her? No. Look at her. She's alone in the peak of the day under the, 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 the heat of the sun, drawing water. How alone did she feel? But how perfect was it that she was alone? Because now she didn't have any distraction, and God could get her attention, and he knew that. 
And he knew that he could catch her alone at this well and he'd have her full attention. Have you ever felt alone, even though you got the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you wanted? You got the job that you thought you wanted. You got into the school that you thought you wanted. You got the friends that you thought you wanted. You're at the parties that everyone wants to go to, and you're surrounded by people, and you feel completely alone. I know you felt that before. You don't even have to answer me. I know that I've felt that before. And we have felt that way because apart from God, we are alone. We are alone. Nothing can satisfy apart from God. And that loneliness can feel so despairing and hopeless. And I'm striving and I'm trying to get all these things. And I think, and that's what EJ said it. If I just drop this EP or whatever you call those things, if I just do this, make my music video, whatever, if I do this, that, and then it'll be, then I'll get the peace, then I'll get the whatever, then I'll get the, and I'm alone. I go to bed at night and I feel utterly alone does not satisfy. Have you felt that way? Maybe you feel that way even here. You're surrounded by all the people in this retreat and you see everyone else talking to each other and they all seem like they're making better connections and it's an illusion, trust me. And everybody seems like, you know, they got the friends and they're whatever. And then you think, but I'm just alone here. I'm surrounded by people and I feel utterly alone. Can I tell you, don't despise that, not just yet. Because that might be the very place that God is trying to get you at, just alone. If I could just get you alone so I could look you in the eye and I could tell you about the living water that I offer you. Jesus has put you aside this weekend to get you alone without distractions and be able to speak to you about who he really is. So he gets her alone and then he... He says to her, she says, okay, well, you can't get water. She's oblivious, spiritually oblivious, just completely blind to spiritual things. And she says, you're not going to be able to get me water. What? How could you do that? And he says to her, listen, if you drink this water, you're going to thirst again if you drink this water. But the water that I offer you, if you drink it, you will never thirst again. And suddenly her eyes get big. She says, well, give me that water. Because that would be so great if you could give me water that I don't have to keep going back home and back to the well and home and back to the well and I'll never have to thirst again and I won't have to do all this. Yes, this would satisfy. And so still oblivious, oblivious to God and what he's trying to tell her. She's saying, if you can meet my physical needs, if you can give me the physical things that I want, yes, I would be very satisfied. I would be very satisfied because it's all about what I see in the here and now, right? It's about this earth. It's about what I can get. Get me some. If I can get what I think I need, then trust me, I will be happy. I will be satisfied. That will be enough for me. And have you ever bartered with God like that? Have you ever said to God, God, if you can just do this for me, if you just do this for me, I'll be happy. 
If you get me, I'm just lonely. I need a boyfriend. I want to get married. I I want this career. I want friends. I want whatever. I want to be able to do this with my life. If I want, I want to be a singer. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. And if you can just give me that, then I'll be satisfied. So God, can you do that for me? Can you give me those things? Because trust me, I'm instructing you now, God. I will tell you, and it sounds very familiar to how we fell in the first place. I will tell you what will make me happy. I will tell you what will satisfy me. So now I'm going to use you, and now you give me what I need here on this earth. And Jesus is listening. Imagine this, but the patience, the patience that you see in the scripture here. He's so patient. He gently just says, no, no, you're not seeing it. You're blind right now. You don't see this. You don't understand spiritual things, but I'm drawing you. I'm drawing you. I sought you out. And I'm going to draw you and I'm going to show you the truth. And so she's totally gung-ho about physical water. And she's saying, yep, that will do it. That will satisfy me. So, yes, give me that water, please. And he says, go get your husband. Now, that seems like such a shift in the conversation, right? Go get your husband. Wait, we were just talking about water. But but think about it for a second. Because I had to think about this as I was preparing. Physical things, physical things. God, I know. Give me this water. I know what will satisfy me. I got this, so just give it to me, and I'll be on my way. No, you go get your husband. I don't have one. I know that. You're right what you say. In fact, you, you've had five, and the man that's home at your house right now is not your husband either. So tell me about what you know that will satisfy you. Tell me about that. Tell me, instruct me some more, because you've been making some great decisions, and they've been so fulfilling for you. They've brought you such a full and abundant life. You're an outcast in your village. You're here at noon in the heat of the sun, drawing this water. You're all alone, but you're going to tell me what you need. And have you done that before with God? How deceived we are. How deceived we are that we think that something on this earth will bring satisfaction to a place that is God-sized in us. You know, the body was, we're, we're primarily made up of water, right? And so we need water to survive. We have to have water. And if we don't have it, we will dehydrate and we will die. You will die of thirst before you die of starvation. Now, our soul was made by God for God with the imprint of God on it. We're different. We're not like the rest of creation. We're different. There is something that has been stamped. You've been made in the image of God. You've been made in the image of God. That's been stamped on you. He breathed into you, and he made you with the understanding that nothing will satisfy them but me. Nothing, nothing will satisfy them. They were made for me. This life is fleeting. It will pass away. But there is going to be an eternity where we are in the presence of God. If we know God, if we've accepted him as our savior, well, it will just be him filling us and satisfying and fulfilling us forever. But as we journey through this earth, he's trying to make this real to us again. Do you know who you are? Do you understand who you are? You weren't just made to have a boyfriend. 
There's something eternal here. There's an eternal implication to your life. You weren't just made to have a good job on earth and make a lot of money or go to a good school or have a friend or just go on a retreat. You were made for God alone. And all the other things on this earth can be little blessings and they can be healthy when put in their rightful place. But if we don't get the first thing right, everything spirals out of control because we begin to try to make those little things the thing, the end. And how could something fleeting and temporal and sinful and broken fill a chasm in your soul that was made for God to fill? How could it ever do that? And so when you try to go and you're, you're thirsting, your soul is thirsting, you think it's your physical body. And there are physical desires that we have. But what drives you is a soul thirst. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for love. You're looking for peace. And you're going to temporal broken things on this broken, dark earth to try to meet those things. And you're trying to make them work. And you're filling yourself with it. And those things, what they essentially are, where water comes and refreshes us, they're nothing but salt water. And you know what salt water does when you're thirsty or even if you're not thirsty? It depletes you of water. It dehydrates you more. The, the little water that's left in your body attaches to the sodium and tries to get it out of your system because your body doesn't want all that sodium. But that's what those things are, those boyfriends, those girlfriends, those addictions that you have, the, the, the way you pursue money and jobs and clout and whatever, all those things, trying to fill yourself, fill yourself, give me purpose, give me meaning, give me satisfaction, make me feel fulfilled. It's like a, a sailor that's out at sea and he's dying of thirst and there's no fresh water left on the boat. And you look at the water around you in the sea and it looks so appealing, it looks so refreshing and you take a drink of it and maybe in that moment, it, it wets your tongue and it makes you feel better for a second. But within moments, it, it begins to rapidly increase the thirst, make dehydration worse, and ultimately leads to death. And when you make the things of this world the source of, your, of the, the fountain that you want filling your life to bring satisfaction, to quench the thirst that you feel, you're just taking in salt water. I don't care what it is. If it's not God, it's salt water. If it's not God, it's salt. It's not like kind of not good. God is the answer. He's our salvation. Anything we look to for salvation and answer apart from him leads to death and destruction. There's no middle ground. It's very black and white. It's God or it's destruction. And so Jesus is looking at her and he says, go get your husband. You think you, you think you understand. And his heart just breaks for her. Oh, I love that picture of him. I love that picture of him. Him just thirsty, asking this woman for a drink. A divinely appointed meeting. Samaritan, poor woman, immoral, outcast. And he's just gently leading her to a place where he can reveal who he really is, where she can find real life. And he says to her, you're going to these sources that are just salt water. They're just, they're destroying you. W what can you make life, everyone? I mean, really think. 
Go beyond just the natural, the temporal, what everyone's doing, and we all just follow along. Yep, everybody's doing this, everyone's saying that. Okay, I'll go too. How do you see it working for everyone? How's it working out? What do you see around you? There's something so much more than what you see in front of you. Life is a vapor. It's a vapor. The stuff, it's going to be gone. We, we will all pass from this life into another. The Bible is very clear about that. None of us will escape it. And we put so much stock in the pleasures of the here and now, of the fulfillment of the here and now, and what I want for me in the here and now, and we are giving up the living water. And we're all dying of thirst. And you could not be a Christian here today, or you could be a Christian, but you're not tapped into that source the way that God wants you to be. And so Jesus is saying, I am living water. So you've been going to all these sources, and you've been looking to be satisfied and your soul be quenched with this, but you're just getting dehydrated more and more. You're just, you're just spiraling down, self-destructing. Here we are alone at this well, but I offer you living water, living water. And what I offer you is able to go deep into your soul, that place that nothing on this earth can seem to get to. I'm God. I will come and I will fill that place. I will fill it. I created you. I know what will fulfill you. I know what will really satisfy you. And I'm offering that to you today. And what is that? What is the living water? The living water is him. It's him. And this is what's so mind-blowing. This is what's so mind-blowing. He's saying, I want to give you myself. In, in John uh, 7, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was basically saying, I'm, I've come on this earth. I'm doing all of this so I can go to a cross so I can make it possible for your sin to be dealt with. It's going to be dealt with. This sin keeps separating you. You're never going to know the fulfillment of having me until this sin is dealt with. And so I'm going to come on this earth, and I'm going to go to a cross, and I'm going to take on the punishment of your sin. God's going to put it all on me as though I had done every filthy, abhorrent thing that all of us have ever committed against God. He said, I will take it on like I have done it, and I will be given the punishment. The wrath of God will come on me. I will be separated from God. I, my life will be taken. My blood will be poured out so that you can be cleansed and you can be made righteous in God's sight. And when that happens, you will become a temple. You will become a temple again that's clean and righteous. And my spirit will be able to come and dwell in your hearts again. And you will have that fellowship and that communion with me that your soul is desperately searching on this earth for in the things of this world. Now I will come and it will be a free gift that I paid for. And I will come and I will live inside of you. In John uh, 14, he, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world can, cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him and for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Rivers of living water. 
the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. It's not just talk. It's not just concepts. This is a miracle. This is a spiritual, mind-blowing uh, truth that Jesus is presenting. I will dwell inside of you. You were created for me. You were created for me. The, the, the whole concept that, a, that people could be, have evolved into who we are, the faith that that requires to believe that this could happen, that life could be that intelligent to force its way into creating what we are today. And if, if we evolved, we would evolve in a way that would benefit our existence and we wouldn't need love and we wouldn't need peace and we wouldn't need joy because those things drive us nuts and make us self-destruct. It's not a practical principle of, of evolution that we were created this way, but you were created that way. You need love. You need peace. You need joy because you were created by a God who is all of those things and you bear his likeness and that's why you long for those things. And so Jesus says, I will put my spirit inside of you and you will have rivers of living water inside of you. The spirit, the Bible tells us the fruit of the spirit is peace and joy, love, patience, all these different things that we need in our lives. And he's saying, I will fill you with those things. You don't have to find them. You don't have to keep running to things to get them. And I get a little piece here and then it's gone. And then I got to run over here and find peace this way and joy and love and all just everything I'm chasing after. God says, I will put it inside of you. You don't have to run around anymore. It's dwelling within. Wherever you are, it is. I will be there with you. And it says springs of living water. This is not a reservoir. It's a spring. It keeps overflowing. It has power. It's, it's, its origin is in and of itself. The water keeps coming from itself. You don't have to keep going and filling up more. It's coming out of itself. And that's who God is. He has everything that we need. He is all those things. And when he lives inside of you, peace, joy, love, fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, all of those things, it's found in him. And he's just overflowing an almighty, infinite, all-powerful God overflowing out of your life. Doesn't that make sense that that's what we need? Doesn't that make sense? Think of what we turn to instead. Think of what we look to instead. And God is saying, you settle for so much less. That's why you're all miserable. I want to dwell inside of you and I want to overflow. And when I come to dwell inside of you and when you latch on to who I am and when you put your trust in it and it's me and you and I am your everything and you're looking to me for everything that you need because I have it in abundance. When that happens, you are going to overflow and no one can steal that from you. Life has problems. That is, that is a fact. Life has a lot of problems. But those problems are all external. And God's saying, I'm internal. And none of those problems are going to be able to rob what I've put inside of you. None of them can. You will keep flowing. You will keep flowing. No heartache, no sorrow. And death itself will not stop that, that fountain. It will flow on into eternity. And so this is what he's saying. He's offering 
to this woman and she's looking at him and she's trying to understand and he's so patiently sitting there explaining this to her and she goes, okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, so so where am I supposed to worship? Because the Jews worship there and the, the Samaritans are supposed to worship here and where? And he goes, mm-mm, mm-mm, you're trying to get religious. Nope. No, now you're trying to get into the do's and don'ts. If I go to this church, if I do this, if I do that, then I'll have this living water totally disconnected from your heart, totally disconnected from relationship with God. Wait, and and how many religions are like that? Just go here, do this this sacrament, do this, this tradition. If you do that, then suddenly you're right with God, and you can be totally disengaged in your heart. God is looking for relationship. He's looking to dwell inside of you. He wants fellowship and communion with his creation. He wants to be everything to you. And you think, if I just walk into a building on 17 Smith Street one time a week on a Sunday for two hours, then I'm good. And we make it mechanical like that, right? So what do I have to do? What do I have to do? I don't want to engage my heart. I don't want to totally surrender. I don't want to make you everything. So just tell me what I need to do so I can do it and then be on my way. And do the things I want to do. And God is saying, you will not have the streams of living water flowing out of you until you are completely surrendered. And it will no longer be about you worship here, you worship there. You're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. The truth of who I am, you're going to understand it. And your spirit and my spirit is going to commune and dwell together and have relationship and fellowship. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for religion. I'm not looking for do's and don'ts. That's not who God is and so she says to him you know I know the Messiah is coming the one that they call the Christ and you're talking about this but when he comes he's he's going to tell us everything and she stares into his face and he looks back to her and he says I am the Messiah you're talking to him nothing you would expect but I'm him. And I just love that thought of her looking at him. Who knows when that revelation came, when those spiritual blinders were lifted, where she looked in his face and suddenly something, some light went on and she realized who she was sitting in front of. And this is the best picture. And I never saw it before. I was telling my husband, but it just was so precious to me. The Bible says that she ran back into her village and she left her water bucket at the well. And I love that picture because what does that represent? This thing, the physical, the here and now, the temporal stuff that was so important to her, she runs away and forgets all about it because she just met the living water the real, the true fulfillment, the one who really satisfies. She just met him, and suddenly I don't even care about that anymore. Like, I'll drink later, but that is not my concern anymore, those temporal things. And the way that you know that her life was really changed is she runs into this village, and this is the one, the the, the outcast, right, the shameful woman that, that avoided everyone and went to the well alone so she didn't have to see people and see the stairs. I love that she goes into this town, and she says, everyone, Come, come and see the man who told me everything I did. What she was ashamed about before, she wasn't ashamed about anymore. It didn't matter. 
didn't matter who she was. It didn't matter what she had done. It didn't matter water, the men, all of that. I don't care what you think of me. I have a new identity because the Messiah, the living water, says that he wants to come. And he wants to live in me and flow through my life. And now none of this means anything anymore to me. Jesus told that Samaritan woman, do you have some water you can give me? I'm thirsty. And then he said he was thirsty in another place in the Bible when he was hanging on a cross. And he said, I thirst. God said, I thirst. Can you understand that kind of love? I, I can't. Who can define who God should be or would be? But this is what we know now that he is, and it's better than anything we could have ever imagined. God hanging on a cross, having been whipped and beaten, and he could have easily gotten off that cross. We know that, right? He could have called all the angels. He could have done that, but he didn't. He forbear for the joy set before him. You were his joy. You were his joy to be reunited with you, to be able to come and dwell in your hearts again, to give you that living water. And to give you that living water, he was willing to thirst. He would thirst. He would go without. He would suffer. He would give his life so that you could have his life, so that you could have it. And so I don't know, there are some of you today, you, this is all new to you. Maybe you've never heard anything like this before. You've had preconceived notions of who God is. I am just reading to you from the word of God. I'm not making any of this up. This is what the word of God tells us about who God is, who Jesus is to us. And isn't it more beautiful than you could ever hope? Who he is, how gentle how merciful, how loving. And maybe some of you, you felt, feel like, just as I'm saying it, you're saying, I, I, I have never had a taste of that living water, and I am dying of thirst. I'm dehydrating. I'm dying. And I've thought that it was just things and that it was up to me to figure out what's going to satisfy, what's going to make me happy, what's going to fill me. And I'm despairing because nothing's working and I'm alone and I'm so tired. And I want to present to you today a savior who wants to meet you at a well today. And he wants to give you living water. You're a, you're a weary traveler traveling through this life. And he wants to give you living water to replenish your soul to bring life to your life again, fulfillment and satisfaction, an inner spring that wells over, that cannot be stopped. If the musicians could come. If there is anyone here this morning and you have never received Jesus as your savior, and I've explained to you in my own feeble way, the best I know how, the heart of God for you, the plan of God for you, the truth of God, and you want to taste that living water. It's supernatural. It's not religion. It's not promises. It's putting your faith in the one who gave everything for, me, for you and then just receiving the free gift of his life what you were created for, what you were made for. So if everyone would bow your heads, 
I know there are people that don't know the Lord here on this retreat, and I know that God brought you here for a reason. And this is in no way manipulation. This is giving you an opportunity to respond, not to me, but to the God who loves you, the true and living God who drew you here this weekend, and he wants your life to bless you, to fill you, to make you complete, to give you wholeness, satisfaction, joy, peace, the love you've been looking for that no one will be ever, ever able to take away, that will never run dry, it will never deplete because he is the source. If there is anyone here today that wants to make a decision, I want to put my faith in that Jesus that sat at that well and said, would you give me a drink? I'm thirsty. The one who condescended and gave up everything to come to this earth to pursue you. Not just that woman at the well. That story remains because he's pursuing you today. If there's anyone that wants to make a decision to put your trust in Jesus, would you raise your hand, please? No one's looking around. If you'd raise your hand, please. I see some hands. Anybody else? I'm not going to rush through this. I am not going to rush through this. Everyone praying. I see another hand. Thank you. God is drawing you. He's sitting there. He's waiting. This world offers nothing. It offers nothing. And he offers you everything today. Christians now just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you are living in the abundance that Jesus died to give you it doesn't mean that 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 water that living water is flowing freely and filling every part of your life and as long as we contend with sin we contend with those times in our life that we're looking to other things we don't trust God we think, well, maybe this thing is, it's right here. It's right now. It's, I can touch it. I can feel it. And when I'm done, I feel horrible. I feel terrible. But I keep going back to it, and it's dehydrating me. It's taking life out of me. And I need God. I need to make a new I need to take a new stand today, and you'll need to take more and more as you continue to walk with the Lord. But today, this is the message for you. Are there things that you need to put aside now, things that you've been looking to, to quench you, to take the place of the living Savior who's come to fill you? You're settling for less. Even as a Christian, you've been settling for less, and you see the damage it's already doing. And today you want to say, enough, no more. Jesus, I look to you again, and I'm so thankful that you're so merciful. Just the way you went to a Samaritan woman, an immoral woman that no one would expect you to go to, surely you receive me today. 
and gently you'll restore me and gently you'll come and you'll fill me again. Is there anyone here today that wants to just raise their hand and just say, I want to draw a line in the sand today. Thank you. I want to draw a line in the sand. There's things I'm looking to that I can't look to anymore. By God's grace, by his help, I have to turn away from those things. They're robbing me of life when Jesus came to give me abundant life. Let's just wait on the Lord right now. I just want you, just after the picture that we've had of God and who he is, Jesus, how precious he is. He's here with you right now, and he wants to minister to your heart. He wants to speak words of life to you. The world tries to rob you, but God wants to give you life today. He wants to fill you with new life, rivers of living water springing up within your heart because the Holy Spirit is there. He's with you. He wants his life to be poured out of you. Just receive from the Lord today. Just you and him. It doesn't matter who's sitting around you. Just speak to the Lord today. We love you, Jesus. We come to you again, God, and we pray. Fill us, Lord. Forgive us, God, for the things that we've turned to, Lord, in replace of you, you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God. Forgive us for settling for so much less, Lord God, for taking in things that seek to destroy us, God, after you died to save us, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus, and help us, God. We're so thankful, God, that you've given us your spirit to dwell inside of us, Lord. And we don't have to do this in our own strength, Lord. But as we turn and we surrender and we repent before you, God, you are quick to forgive forgive us, God, and you promise to come and fill us, Lord, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to let your living waters flow through your people, God, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and he's given us his righteousness today, Lord, so we thank you for your living water, God, flow through your people, Lord, revive us again, Lord God, fill us, Lord Jesus, refresh your people, God, in your presence, Lord, let them sense your presence in this place, God, that you want to fill them, Lord, supernatural infilling, God, like nothing this world could ever offer, Lord God. Fill them, Lord God. Fill them, Jesus. Fill them, Lord God. Fill them with your spirit, Lord God. Oh, make them whole in your presence, Lord Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We bless you. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at sanctusnyc.